0: There's more than enough real estate to go around for all of us to have incredibly blessed lives. Okay, I don't need to have the name. I don't even have my name on the top of a building downtown. Okay, I'm not. I'm not that egomaniac about it, but I'm okay doing 50 or 20 flips a year.
1: Welcome to Elements of Styles, the business podcast that trades in scarce thinking for community, conversation, and ideas in abundance. Each week, I mark styles sit with professionals and entrepreneurs, both local and global, and learn how they each add value to their communities, their partners, and their teams. Please enjoy. Today's episode is sponsored by Secura Title. Secure title helps Massachusetts real estate attorneys, real estate agents, loan professionals, buyers, and sellers with all of their title, settlement, and escrow needs. Security title, S-E-C-U-R-I-T-I-T-L-E.com, where security and title come together. Hey folks, welcome back to Elements of Styles. Today I am grateful to have Spiros Variotis of the Unorthodox Agent. Spiros is a freedom lifestyle consultant. He's a real estate agent trainer, he's a real estate broker himself, and he's also a real estate investor. Hey, Sparrows, how you doing, buddy? I'm awesome, brother. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. Tell me something. What is a Freedom Lifestyle Consultant?
0: Well, uh, you know me from back in college, knew that I like to enjoy life, and uh, Freedom Consultant teaches people how to do what they want, when they want to do it, with whomever it is that they want to do it with. And, uh, it's just kind of a mantra that I've taken into my life, just being able to, you know, my wife and I being able to enjoy the the world that we have around us, uh, the moments that we have, because each moment is, is that's all we get and just try to extract as much joy or passion or whatever it is you're trying to get out of that moment without letting the world beat you down. Now that doesn't mean being irresponsible. It doesn't mean just being lazy, but you can have passion and joy in the things that you want to do and as you mentioned three out of the four things is real estate real estate's really given me the the vehicle and the opportunity to do that
1: very cool so let me ask you this how did you get into real estate
0: you know i uh so I grew up in massachusetts born in 1971 i'm 50 years old right now just celebrated my birthday and uh my dad uh greek side of the family you can tell my name's not a john smith it's greek side my mother actually emigrated from sicily in the 1950s, so I'm half Greek, half Italian, immigrants on both sides of the family coming here to America, the land of opportunity, where you can buy things and start businesses and do all that great stuff. The problem was, is that my dad started a business in 1969 and by 2008, he was still working 65 hours a week doing everything he possibly could or needed to be done in that business. He didn't learn and we had a great life. He provided great things for my family and for my mom and I and my sister, but, and we take the vacations two or three times a year. Um, he missed some of our games growing up because he had to work and, and I understand that. But by the age, by 2008, 61 years old, he had a stroke and passed away a couple of years, a couple of weeks later. And I knew after I graduated college that I didn't wanna work in the family business. I didn't wanna work 60, 70 hours a week. And I had seen other parts of my family, the Greeks and the Italians, buying real estate over the years. And I said, man, my uncle Jimmy is taking a cruise and he's going away for three weeks, but that's because he owns a bunch of houses in Hull and he owns houses in Brookline. He's got houses down in Watertown. I want to get involved in that. So I got my real estate license in 1996 and started investing in 1997. And you know, my wife and I kept buying assets through the 2000s and 2003. I started my own real estate brokerage. Kim started a mortgage company, my wife, and we just were living the life really well. Until 2008, not only did I lose my father that year, the real estate industry just started to cave in all around us. And so the 10 assets, the 10 houses that we had around the country, Colorado, Massachusetts, we even had a resort home up in Whistler, British Columbia for skiing. We ended up struggling with those tenants weren't paying the rent. They weren't weren't, weren't worth what we paid for them. Our mortgages were going through the roof and uh, we struggled, but I always knew that real estate got me into this and real estate's going to get me out of this. So I went back to some of the things that I knew, which was, representing people. I'd been a real estate broker since 1996. I knew how to drive people around in cars and show them houses and write offers and negotiate, communicate with people. The challenge was nobody was buying any real estate. So I had to think of a new way to find people who were buying real estate. I don't know if you want to know what that is yet, or if you have another question for me.
1: Oh, I absolutely want to know. So I actually want to know what you did in 2008 when things started going badly for you. What, where did you turn? Yeah, I, again,
0: All I had done at that point for 13, 15 years, if you fast forward to 2010, so 2008, things started going down. 2010, it is just choking, choking us. And all I had done was real estate. And so I said, man, nobody's buying houses. Everybody I know is either selling their houses, walking away from their houses, or just holding on for dear life. But there was one group of people that were buying houses. And those were investors. And I said, wait a second. If they're buying houses, and I can figure out what they're doing to buy those houses, what they're looking for, then lo and behold, I can sell them houses, right? So I started trying to study how an investor thinks. And when I'm saying investor, I'm not meaning the person who's, you know, hopped up on HGTV on Saturday night, right? They got a bunch of potato chips on their chest, and they're all stoked and thinks it's easy to flip houses. (laughs) That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the person that has created a business, who's created a lifestyle, a system that just follows the same exact guidelines in and out of the transaction. They don't buy bad deals. They make their money when they buy the house. I've learned that. They have a system. They have an analyzer in place. They know exactly how much money to the penny they should be making on that transaction, what their ROI is, their return on investment. And those are what I want to deal with. I wanted to deal with a professional investor. So I invested in education, which is the best thing any of us can invest in. The biggest investment you can make any day of the week, any moment of your life is in yourself. That, that's, a, you know, I know you do a lot of great trainings. You've had some great people over the years on your podcast with just about mindset and about just lifestyle and how to do that. But if you take care of yourself, then everything else kind of falls into place. So where'd you go? And so, so where did I go?
1: Yeah, so where did you go for the training and the education that you were? Yeah,
0: so, you know, I mean, I I did what people probably think are crazy. I saw one of those half-hour infomercials on television on a Saturday afternoon. I said, well, I'll go down and check out the free 90-minute preview. And before you know it, three weeks later, my wife and I are investing up to uh, $20,000 in a real estate education platform. But the thing was, is these guys were doing it. Want to know why? Because I saw them doing it every week on television. They were on a TV show back in the 2000s called Flip This House. And so I invested with them to learn their systems and tools. How does he think? Because how does Stan think? How does JD think? How do these guys think? That's how my investors are going to think. And then I started networking. I started going to meetings where investors were going, and I'd walk in, and guess who was the only person who had a license in that, in that group? It was me, because realtors don't go into those places. And so they started to ask me, oh, if you can find me a foreclosure, if you can find me a HUD home, if you can find me a, a repo, if you can find me a pre-foreclosure. And this is the height of it, 2010, 11, 12, short sales. All these things started generating money for myself. And then I started realizing, wait a second, I'm making a lot of money for these guys. And it's great. I'm getting a commission. This is good. I'm I'm digging out of the mess my wife and I had dug into. But then I said, wait a second, I actually can start doing this stuff myself. And so I started doing wholesaling. I started doing rehabbing. And I built a whole entire business out of my brokerage On how to work with investors, and then how to work investment for myself. So now, agents that would come into my brokerage because I I had two agents left in my company in 2010, me and another and one other agent. Okay, and nobody was buying houses, so I started to teach them what to do. I started to bring them inventory, teach teach them how to do this, and work with the right people who are going to bring you four, eight, ten opportunities to make commissions every single year, which is what professional investors do. And it's been fun. And so then I kind of turned that a little bit into teaching. So I started teaching my brokers and my agents in my offices because that brought me more money as the principal broker. And then I had other investors asking me to teach them what they were doing. And so what I did was I partnered with the people who had given me the education. I started teaching people how to invest in real estate because there's just no I, to, in my own opinion, Mark, there's no other vehicle on this planet that has the entry point that real estate does. What that means is that, you know, whatever our world is going through, whatever the economy is going through, anybody, if they fit the guidelines, meaning if you've got some savings, if you've got a job, you go to the bank, you can buy real estate. And if you can learn how to do that correctly, you can replace your job within two to three years. So if you're making $50,000 a year, I can teach you as an investor to be making $50,000 a year in real estate within the next two to three years, maybe even faster than that. So if you want to keep working, then you decide to keep working, but you're working because you want to, not because you have to. And great same point. thing with my,
1: you, what was that? That's a great point. One of the things that I wanted to ask you though, is, is you brought up a point where you walked into the room as the the licensed real estate agent, real estate broker, and you were the only licensed person in there. Why is it that real estate agents aren't working with real estate investors?
0: Well, you know, again, you have a lot of good people and obviously you and I have had conversations. It comes down to a mindset. Um, 2010, let's just use that as the, as the reset of the real estate industry. It changed real estate forever. What does that mean? It changed the way that real estate is bought and sold. Companies like Zillow, Redfin, Trulia, all started to show up on the landscape. And so they started to compete with agents. And I think there's a lot of agents that have what's called a scarcity mindset because there's a lot of investors that have a scarcity mindset. What's a scarcity mindset? There's not enough real estate to go around for everybody to be doing flips or buying houses or doing this. I need to get mine. I need to get mine first. And then if there's something left over, I'll give it to these people. That's a take, take, take. And I don't work with people like that. You don't work with people like that. And what you have to do is surround yourself with other people who have an abundance mindset. What that means is that there's more than enough real estate to go around for all of us to have incredibly blessed lives, okay? I don't need to have the name, I don't even have my name on the top of a building downtown, okay, I'm I'm not that egomaniac about it, but I'm okay doing 50 or 20 flips a year. And so when I looked at the numbers, you know, in Denver, and I mean, Denver's market is my main area of flipping, Obviously, very hyper-competitive market right now. But again, I'm only trying to find 15 or 20 pieces of the transactions. There's over 20,000 transactions a year that go through the Denver market. So think about that for a second. I'm only trying to find 15 or 20 of them. What's that, one-tenth of 1%? There's plenty more for everybody to go out there. And this is just talking about what's going through the MLS. I'm not even talking about off-market stuff. I'm just talking about the MLS funds. And so I think realtors used to feel like we're competing with these investors, we're competing and the truth is, you know what? You are competing with them. And the investors I've worked with and the investors that I know do it a hell of a lot better than most realtors do. Um, I don't know, I mean if I have time to share a quick story,
1: I would love you to share a quick story.
0: Okay. So again, I you know, I was born in Framingham, for those of you, you know, I'm a Massachusetts peeps, born in Framingham. We lived in Brookline then my parents moved to Sharon. In 1978, they built a house in Sharon, and I grew up in Sharon, Massachusetts. And they were building their house. And I remember, you know, seven years old, we're going, I remember driving to Sharon from Brookline, and we would all go in the car on a Saturday, and we'd drive up and we'd go into this office called Florence Cates Realtor. And we'd go in there and the agent would meet us at the car and we'd walk us in and they'd have lollipops for me and my sister and they and they would sit there with my parents and they'd drive us around in the car they'd take us around Cobb's Corner and then downtown Sharon and then they took us out to the Heights they showed us the areas then we started to go look at new developments and they found this new development where my parents were building the house and what I wanted to say was that When we bought the house, they got it built and and we moved in September of of 1978, I started to go to Sharon Elementary School, East Elementary School. My point was, is that the relationship with that realtor never ended for my parents. Now my parents, my mom still owns the house. She still lives there, but it's not Florence Cates anymore. I mean, they've merged now with another company and that's, what's changed to me in this, in this community is, is the, the realtors used to be a very, very integral part of the neighborhood a very, very integral part of the community. They were part of the community. You knew who they were. And I really feel like us as a, when I'm talking us, I mean realtors, us as a community now have disassociated ourselves with that. And we've become more about the transaction and less about the person and less about where we're working. We all want, you know, you talk to a lot of agents today. I mean, even agency, whether it's Denver or, or Massachusetts, I'm licensed as well. And I say, you know, what, what part of what part of Boston do you work in? Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll work everywhere from Situate all the way up to, you know, I'll go up to Marblehead. And if you need something out in the West, I... there's no value there. And I'm not saying not to take opportunities when they come. But as an agent, I think we really need to focus on where do we live, what na- what neighborhoods do we know, and, and really come down and bring value to the people that we're trying to serve because there's plenty of houses being sold every year in Stoughton and, and Sharon and Canton and Norwood and Walpole that even if we just did you know 20 or 25 transactions a year in Walpole, we'd be having a pretty good month or a pretty good year. You know what I'm saying? And so I feel like they start to come back with that, that scarcity versus abundance. Investors are taking my listings. Investors are buying these properties and that's not what I want to create with people that I work with.
1: That's interesting and you bring up a really good point the riches are in the niches right so when you when you dial in and you focus in on communities real estate is location 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 but i want to i want to talk a little bit about you know what you're teaching agents about working with real estate investors because i think that's really important especially in the year in the years that are coming ahead of us you know we're in 2021 right now we're at a frenzied auction type of atmosphere where supply and demand is is way out of balance but oftentimes it it when the supply and demand is out of balance it kicks back it kicks back not to even but almost in a, a violent opposing way so as the agents start to look forward into their careers what what can they learn from a real estate investor's mindset
0: yeah great question and you know, listen, again, coming as an agent, 1996, I will be honest with you. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm definitely much more now because I've learned, but I was not very organized. I wasn't very focused. I kind of just let people dictate what my week was going to look like. Oh, you want to look at a house on Saturday morning? Okay, I'll move my plans. Oh, you want to see a house? And that's how the market is now, right? If you don't get out to look at a listing before it even hits the market, you're probably going to miss out on it. So how do we bridge that? Well, investors, <clears throat> they're focused. Uh, they're not focused on the transaction. They're focused on the opportunity. And there's a difference in my mind. Meaning if they miss out on something, they know that there's another one coming down the road. All right, that's the abundance mindset. Okay, I missed out on this opportunity. I'm going to continue marketing. I'm going to continue networking. I'm going to continue writing offers. And eventually I'm going to get an opportunity that's going to fit our business model. And we're going to go ahead and rehab it. Or we're going to go ahead and rent it out. Whatever their exit strategy is. Agents need to think that same way. Instead of a transaction, listen, your buyers are going to get frustrated if they miss out on transactions. But if you're working that relationship, if you're working that opportunity to work with them and you're educating them correctly on what's going to happen, uh, what could happen, how to strengthen them in the opportunity when they're making their offers with you know, pre-approved offers, uh, things that they might be able to waive in an inspection, not the entire inspection, but you know little trinket things like holes in the wall for pictures. And I mean, that's not really important in this market. If the sewer line's crack, then that's going to be an issue. So how do you write the contract accordingly to that? And then just being focused and diligent and understanding that your time as an agent is valuable. Like I started this call out with you, this podcast, time's the only resource we can't replace in, in all honesty, right? If I run out of water, I can go get more water. Okay. There's plenty of oxygen in the air, but real food, but time, I can't, I can't replace the last 15 minutes. I've, I, you know, I've invested it with you and, And with the people listening to this, so the mindset has to be abundance. And then the other thing is focus. You need to start developing systems and resources that are gonna keep you focused on what the goal is. And each person that you're serving, each seller or buyer is going to have a different focus and you have to learn how to manage that inside. But the market, you have to learn what your value is too because you can do a lot of things that will save you time and allow you to be in a position of—I don't like the word power, but professionalism—when you are negotiating with another seller, with another agent, with, a, with, with trying to trying to get a listing over another agent with a seller. So, you know, you got to focus on on. I mean, that says sounds bad. You got to focus on focus. I guess if that's <laughs> that's a way to put, put a it, lot right? of
1: put put a lot of energy behind focus, right? Because I think a lot of us are get get scattered, and when we maintain those those daily disciplines, I think we feel a lot better also, because we're a lot more, more successful. What I want to, what I want to circle back to though, you know, and I love the abundance mindset. We, we live and breathe it here, but um, what taking that abundance mindset for those who think, okay, well, you know, if I find an investor, a deal, there's not going to be a commission because it's typically off market. What, what value can a real estate investor bring to a real estate agent?
0: Yeah. And and that really is, that's the meat of of the sandwich right here is that instead of looking at investors as our competition, we have to look at them as a complement to our business. And again, whenever I start a relationship with somebody, okay, whether it's a contractor, whether it's another realtor, whether it's a title company, whether it's a real estate attorney, My sole purpose is to bring value to our relationship. That's what I want to do. If I can bring value to the relationship, that's good. Because I know if I do that enough times, eventually I'll start getting value back, but I'm not doing it to get value. So instead of competing with investors, they can be a huge asset to our team. Why? Not that they're just going to be great buyers. If you have the right investors, like I said, you can make up to four commissions on one house. Explain it. All right. Well, if I can, let's say I have a potential listing coming up. Couples going through divorce. Okay. They're struggling with COVID job loss. The house is in shambles. It's just, they don't want to clean up. They don't want any showings. They want anybody know that they're selling the house. They don't want it on the MLS and it needs a lot of work and they just want to move away. Well, if we know investors, if I know an investor, I can take that listing and I say, you know what? I've got a couple of investors that I work with and I can run them through here before we would have to put on the MLS and see if they want to just make a quick cash offer and do something with you guys. Okay, great. So I bring my investor list through and one of them wants to buy it. Perfect. Who's going to represent that side of the transaction now? Probably me. All right. And so that's two sides of the transaction. Now I'm serving my seller. I'm giving my seller their needs. They're getting the price. I'm, I'm not telling my seller to say, yes, to the offer, the seller's gonna say yes to an offer that works for them. Maybe they let them stay in there for the next six weeks. Maybe they give them some extra money for moving. Maybe they, whatever it is, we work it out because we're communicating with the seller. And so the investor buys it. Now the investor is gonna rehab that house. So they spend three months rehabbing it. So I know on the back end, I potentially have another listing. They come to me, and say, all right, we're looking to put this property on the market. We know that in this market, it's crazy. Which is good for an investor. The second thing is, we also know that if we put it in the MLS, it's going to get the most exposure, which is going to make it even more crazy. All right. But I know this market, this property is coming to market. So now I can start marketing it to my network of buyers and my network of realtors, maybe in my office that I work with, and say, hey, listen, I've got a listing coming up in Marshfield uh, here at the beginning of June. It's going to be a brand new 5 3. Completely renovated. It's going to be on the market for 8 95 If you have any buyers, you know, let me know. We might be able to get you guys in there before we list it. Cause again, we're talking to the investor. Now, if I have buyers, that's an opportunity for me to get inventory that the rest of the world doesn't even know about. So maybe I double in that side of it. I list it and I find a buyer for it. Maybe I run a you I, I,
1: I, I, and, and then open prob- house or something
0: like that. And, and then you're,
1: pro- you're probably going to have to list the buyer's <laughs> house too, right? Because they've got a house.
0: There you go. Own. And again, that's, you know. That's, that's the listen, that's the goal. I mean, if you strike gold with that, that's great. But again, I'm not, that's the possibilities that you have with every single professional investor that you work with. The flip side of it is, is that they're working with other realtors. So we got to get out of our own way and our ego. Because here's what I tell investors, just like I tell realtors. Realtors get offended sometimes if, well, he won't sign an exclusive listing with me. And I say, well, that's fine. But if you give him, if he gives you the criteria and you find it, is he going to buy the house with you? Well, yeah, to me, that's an exclusive listing. Because the truth of the matter is, I, as a realtor, cannot represent every single seller in my marketplace. It's impossible. So I understand why sellers talk to other realtors. Well, investors do the same thing. I, as a realtor, cannot give my investor every single piece of inventory because I'm not talking to every single seller. But if I can serve them in other ways, if I can get them comps very quickly, if I can answer some questions about the marketplace, if I maybe know this neighborhood a little bit better than the person who brought them that, then maybe that's going to buy me some opportunities when they have new listings coming up for them to come, hey, Spiros, listen, we're going to put this new house on the market in June. And you're one of our VIP realtors, because we've done some deals with you in the past. And I want to let you know, if you have any buyers Let's let them get there through there before we even it on the MLS, because maybe we only have to pay half a commission. Now we'll pay you the buyer's commission, but we don't have to list it with a realtor because we sold it pre-market. So a lot of builders do stuff like that. I can't think of, you know, for those of you listening right now that have your real estate license, you know, raise your hand. Nobody's going to be looking. You're just in the room by yourself, but raise your hand if you'd like to have a builder as your real estate client. Right. Wouldn't that be beautiful? A builder building out, specking out 25 homes. In some in some open land now. I mean, you you why do you want that because you know you have the inventory, and you can build your marketing around all of that. So that's why investors are gold if you know how to work with them in your marketplace.
1: And talk speak to the the fact that the investors are seeing these opportunities that may not be front and center for a real estate agent but but then it might not work for the real estate investor.
0: Yeah. So again, this is one thing I've learned and <clears throat> how I made my business better. You know, as a realtor, I'll share this, you know, I don't know if you guys, for those of you that have your license, you're gonna, this is going to click with you. But in the 90s and 2000s, I got sick and tired of being invited to housewarming parties or people that were my friends that I didn't sell them the house. All right. Now, that, I had some good pity parties for Spiros back in the day, but then it clicked. It's not their job to remember what it is that I do. I'm the professional. It's my job to remind them what I do. And once that clicked and I started to see what investors investors do marketing so much better than realtors do it, it's insane. If you guys saw what some of these campaigns that these investors are running, they're running direct mail to the sellers saying, I want to buy your house. And they're leveraging the relationship and the costs of using a realtor to help get the phone to ring. Now the truth of the matter is they're getting leads coming in and they're the first people to talk to them. That's where I said that there is a, there's a separation between the community, the communities, and more importantly, the distressed communities. Okay. The people that are going through divorce, bankruptcy, job loss, just want to move out of the area because they're sick and tired of the cold weather. They want to move out of the city. Cause they're, they don't have to work at downtown anymore. They can commute, whatever those reasons are. People feel more connected calling a, a stranger investor from a postcard than they do with their local realtors because there aren't many local realtors anymore. There's just realtors all across the board. And so if we can learn how to communicate like investors on that level, we'll start getting opportunities. Now, here's the truth of it though. Investors aren't gonna buy every single house that comes into their database, why? Because sellers might want more money. And so what the right investors do if you have a relationship with them is they'll say, hey, listen, The numbers don't make sense for me to buy it as a flip. And I understand that. You're looking to get more to retail. Listen, I work with a couple of good realtors. I work with this awesome realtor that's really specializes in this neighborhood. She's amazing. Why don't you put you in touch with Julia and you guys can see if she can put it on the MLS and she can probably get you close to top dollar. You know, again, how many of you guys would love leads coming in from these investors doing the marketing for you and then they realize that I can't make this these numbers work but I'm going to make it work for my realtor because Julie is awesome she's giving me market reports every week you know for those of you that work with Cal Williams I know that they give you those monthly stats I think it's called a TMO I think it's a total market offer I think it's called a TMO report and again any realtor can do that you just have to learn how to get the data out of the MLS not that hard if you call the local board they'll walk you through how to pull the lists but my point is, is if, you're, if you're giving this data to your investors every single month, they're going to start seeing the trends. They're going to say, oh, it looks like numbers are tightening up in this part of, of the South Shore, but it looks like there's more investment coming into this part. Maybe we should move and look to buy some properties in Plymouth or, you know, like the people are starting to move a little bit away from those parts. They're getting farther away from the city. They're now, now moving down over the bridge into the Cape because they don't have to commute as much, right? So let's give them that value. You give them that value, they're going to return those values back to you.
1: But if you stay away from them and you see them as competition, then those opportunities aren't going to be there. What do you, what are you doing to teach folks these days? Well, I mean, for,
0: you know, back pre COVID, I would travel around and I teach uh, live events. I've been doing stuff online for investors and even some realtors Um, for my agents. um, I actually just made a big brokerage shift, which I'm very excited about. So, I still own my brokerage in Colorado, but my Massachusetts brokerage is now under a big umbrella. But what's beautiful is I'm bringing on all the team of people that's still going to work under me. So what I've been doing is putting together training for all these agents to teach them how to build a business. How to think like not only an investor, but really how to think like an entrepreneur. You know, if you go into McDonald's, I don't care if you go into McDonald's in Brockton, Watertown, you know, uh, I don't know if they have one in situate, but, you know, if you're out there in Worcester, Whatever it is, when you go to McDonald's and you order a Big Mac and fries, it's going to taste exactly the same. Everybody's going to have the same experience in McDonald's than they do anywhere around the world. And the reason is, is because McDonald's is built on systems. It's not built on people. They're not worried about who the person is in the back cooking. They're worried about how they're cooking it because the materials and the systems are all in place. And that's where I think a lot of us as realtors fail. We don't have systems in place. We get pulled in all these different directions about the market. And we're worried we're going to miss out on this. We have that FOMO, right? The fear of missing out. I'm going to miss this. I got to get out. I got to do this. And ultimately, you have to decide how much your time is worth. So uh, what, what I've been doing is I've actually been putting together some trainings uh, for realtors. And I've, I've kind of, I have kind—I don't know if you want me to share the challenge. I, I,
1: I would love you to share the challenge. And folks, we'll put the link uh, in the show notes as well.
0: Okay. And so uh, I'm going to ask, you know, it, it's a free challenge. I'm going to do it online. We'll do it on Facebook Live. And it's going to come up the first week week in May. So you got a couple of weeks to prepare for. But what I want to do is I want to focus five days. I'm just asking you for an hour a day. So five hours uh, each day. We're going to spend an hour. We're going to talk about the different things to make you have the 2021 that you should. Now, listen, the agents that I've worked with last year and a lot of agents that I know throughout the industry had record years in 2020. Here, we would have thought COVID would have impacted that, but it hasn't because real estate... Has always been the vehicle to drive economies. So the reason that we had the big crash in 2008 to 2012 was because the real estate industry was collapsing with bad loans and debts and all that stuff. Well, we don't have that. That's not what COVID, that wasn't what caused COVID. COVID was COVID that caused, caused COVID. And so People need good realtors that want to connect with them on a personal level, that want to build a long-term relationship, and that are focused and are a resource for them. Just because they've closed and bought the house does not mean that's the last time you should be talking to these people. And so we're going to spend five days. Day one, I'm just going to talk about our mindset. What is your mindset coming into this business? What do you want out of your real estate? Is it a hobby? Which is perfectly fine. Is it a profession? Which is perfectly fine. But are you a worker or are you an owner? That's another thing that you have to figure out. Am I working for somebody else or am I working for myself? And you can do that under somebody else's license and umbrella, but your mindset has to take you in there. And then we'll talk day two about what is your value? Listen, folks, our commissions are under attack and they're going to be continue to get under attack. But you know what? Everybody that's listening to this and anybody that works with me that I train is worth every bit of five or 6% to the seller. But if you don't know how to present that value to the seller, then Redfin's gonna come in and they're gonna undercut you for 995 bucks because they only the seller's only thinking, well, they just gotta put in the MLS and I'm gonna get an offer. Well, that's not the truth. And so we're gonna teach you not only how to get market knowledge and really be a neighborhood agent, but really how to promote your value, your value to the people that are important to you, which are your clients and your customers. Then on day three, on Wednesday, we'll talk about your network, how to build a financially secure network, because the more value you're bringing, the more work you're going to get. And it shouldn't be your job to go out and, you know, find a roofer to help your seller replace the roof before they put it on the market. You should already have a list of four or five roofers that you can literally call that will be happy to go down there the next day and give these people an estimate and an estimate that's fair value, not you know, rake you through the Kohl's value. And then how do we systematize? How does McDonald's work? They have a team. So your network is going to bring you, it's going to teach you how to monetize all this information and data that you're getting, leads that you're getting, resources that you're using. Your team's going to execute that. So people like Mark, that's part of your closing team. Okay, title insurance, regular insurance, property and casualty insurance, mortgage brokers. Those are the big ones that we think about. But as I said, a contractor should be on your team. Multiple contractors should be on your team. Cleaning people should be on your team. Uh, junk callers should be on your team because this is value that you're going to be able to bring to your market and to your, to your clients. And the last day, Friday, we're going to talk about your leads. What are you doing? Where are you getting your leads from? Every day, people are buying and selling real estate. Why are you not the listing agent on that? Or why are your, why are your buyers not getting it? And it's not because of lack of, inventory, lack of inventory. It's because you don't have a system in place to find that inventory before somebody else found it. I'm not saying we don't want more houses on the marketplace, but I want to teach you how to find the right lead source and build a conversion mechanism to convert those leads and nurture them over time so that you're the first person that pops in their mind because you're reminding them who you are. So I want to, I mean, I want to do that with everybody. And again, it's just, just hop in there. I want to help you guys grow
1: your business. So this is the first week in May. How do they find this?
0: Yeah. So you're just going to go to a simple website. It's called reagentchallenge.com. So go to www.reagentchallenge.com. Uh, you'll, it'll be on there. There's just be a little opt-in. You just put in your email address, your contact information. I'm going to want to know what company you work with and how long you've been licensed. I am going to ask that personal information for you. Uh, And then you'll get the link to sign into our private Facebook group and we'll start building that out there in May. So the sooner you sign up, you'll get on the emails, you'll you'll be notified when they are. We'll have replays available if you can't make it live uh, when we're doing it during the day, but I'm going to try and do it around lunchtime um, so that that way you guys can take a break if you are doing that, but really just how to systematize. Listen, you know, Mark knows this, and I'm not sharing this out of any glory or anything, but my wife and I, and we have five kids, you know, we've been in Florida since since New Year's, and we've had the ability to run our businesses this way, because, you know, I don't show houses anymore. I have agents on my team that I give the listing to, or I give the, the buyer to. That's part of my my downline is that I have the ability to do it. I, cha- I answer the questions. If there's challenges, if there's contract questions we need to deal with, if there's negotiations, I'll step in and serve my people. But I let them know that who, who it is and, and why there is that we have these teams in place so we can do that. Of course, I've come back and forth to Massachusetts a few times. I've gone back and forth to Colorado a few times. But I want you guys to have that freedom to do that, to, to, to live where you want to live, work when you want to work, and do the most important things, which is spend and share those and build those moments every day that you're going to remember and carry on through your lifetime. So I encourage you guys to
1: sign up. REagentchallenge.com. All right, final question, Spiros. We ask every one of our guests the same question. And I'm sure you are a magician up on stage. What is your go-to karaoke song?
0: Man, uh, it's a good question. And you always have a couple of, so you got to kind of see what the group is. Okay. So yeah, now if I'm in, yeah. if I'm, if I'm carrying Oakeen down on the Cape, you know, I'm not going to go with sweet Caroline. Cause that's such a, you know, people use that stuff, but maybe if I'm in the West coast or something, it's not as prevalent, but I, you know, I'm going to go a little back old school, 1980s Dexies, midnight riders. Come on, Eileen.
1: Come on, Eileen. Well, come on Spiros. Let's go. REagentchallenge.com, folks. If you want to get dialed in to the mindset of a real estate investor, because A, you want to be an investor, or B, you want to work with real estate investors, get on that challenge. I have been working with Spiros for over a year now. Obviously, we've known each other for a very long time, but we've uh, connected through real estate over the last year or so. And uh, I can't endorse him enough when it comes to talking about real estate investors and working with real estate investors so check it out reagentchallenge.com sparrows good luck with it i think it starts right after uh greek easter if i'm if i'm not mistaken this year i
0: might have to check my dates i know it uh, starts in may but i'm sure so i gotta check my dates
1: it does so uh, uh christos inestos to you my friend there you go all Thank right you, my Thank you, and we'll talk to you soon. Folks, be well. Hey, thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe on your platform of choice for a new episode each week and share this with everyone and anyone. If you have any questions or comments or have an idea for another guest, feel free to shoot me an email at mstiles at styles-law.com. That's M-S-T-I-L-E-S at styles-law.com. And if you are a real estate professional, be sure to check us out on our private exclusive Facebook page, The Real Estate School at 892 for content and Massachusetts continuing education opportunities. Be well folks. This podcast is being provided for informational purposes only. The podcast is not a comprehensive overview of the subject and is not intended to provide legal or financial advice or an endorsement of any product or business. The views expressed by podcast guests are their own. And their appearance on the podcast does not imply any endorsement of them or any entity they represent. Please seek legal, financial, or tax advice before taking any action on the matters or products discussed herein.